get off the scale. For so many years, my worth was determined by a number on a scale. If it was up, I was having a shitty day. If it was down, I was all smiles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Macro Hour podcast. Today, we have I'm very excited for this guest. I just got to selfishly hang out with her a little bit before this call, this recording, this podcast, and uh, y'all are going to love it. We have an amazing guest here virtually with us. She is the host of the wildly popular podcast, Squats and Margaritas. I mean, <laughs> what better name is that? Author of um, From Pain to Purpose and a body positive advocate, which I can't wait to dive in to all of the things that she has to share with you guys today. I'm really looking forward to her sharing your story with you um, because I feel like a lot of you guys will actually not feel, I know a lot of you guys will be able to resonate with this. So Erin, Welcome to the show. Thank you for that intro. Happy to be here. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm excited for you to be here, man. So let's just get right into it. Why don't you welcome yourself to this podcast, this community of people that you are speaking to, and give us a little bit of a background of you, Erin. Yes, I am a mom of two. I'm currently living in Atlanta. And I'm a woman who struggled with body image, all the eating disorders, and basically just having no self-worth for 20 years. I struggled from 16 to 36 and found a better way, um, a better way of living, a balanced lifestyle of squats and margaritas. And I ended up writing a book to share this message with a woman who is on the treadmill seven days a week, sometimes twice a day, like I was only eating salads and starving themselves. There is a better way. I was able to reach my physical ideal by living life with balance, stopping all the obsession and restriction. And I wanted to share my story. Um, organically, my eating disorder history kind of came out in the book. And I have been able to kind of amass a little community of women that have also been vulnerable and didn't really have anywhere to go and share their story. And once I was vulnerable, they kind of realized that they weren't alone. And I found that it is my passion to make other women feel less alone and feel seen. And I have a podcast, Watts and Margaritas, where I share vulnerable conversations so that other women don't feel alone. And as an extension of the podcast, I also started a nonprofit for teen girls who are struggling with body image and self-worth so that they have a safe place to go because I sure as hell could have used that when I was struggling. I told y'all, you guys are going to really <laughs> resonate with this story, especially if you find yourself already resonating with what Aaron just said. Um, so let me ask you, can you take us back to the beginning? Can you take us back to where your struggles and your eating disorders started? And like, what were the factors that contributed to the development of them? And how did they impact your life? My struggles started in high school, but my story starts with soccer. I started playing when I was four and I was completely obsessed. It was my identity. It was my worth and my value. Um, I trained obsessively all year round and I ended up starting varsity as a freshman in high school and never came off the field. I was captain my junior and senior year. We were back-to-back -back state champions, like soccer was life. I ended up getting a division one uh, college scholarship and it was finally like, you know, Actually, no. In high school, 
I equated thin with like fit and good for soccer. So I thought the thinner I was, you know, the faster I would be. And it was like fit and in shape. So my sophomore year is kind of when it started. I started my period late. So my body started to change and gain weight. And that was not ideal for soccer. So my junior year, I drastically reduced my calories um, to the point where I remember carrots were off limits because they were a starchy vegetable. And I would come home from uh, school and make myself nap because it was time that I wasn't eating. And junior year, and we were state champions and soccer was going well, but my coach called me on it and was like, your crosses aren't strong anymore. You've lost all the strength in your legs. You're getting too thin. And when he equated it to soccer, I was like, well, shit, I got to eat because soccer is life. So I started eating. um, But that's when my eating disorder evolved to exercise bulimia. And if you're not familiar, you literally, you know, count or jot down the calories of everything you eat. Then you go work off the same amount of calories on a cardio machine. And that continued the rest of my high school career. So I was eating, but I was canceling it all out. Um, and then I get a division one, uh, scholarship. I go into college and I was used to never coming off the field. And I came in and I won all our preseason conditioning tests. And I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be great. The season started and I wasn't playing and I didn't know what to do with that. And I stuck it out my freshman year and halfway through my sophomore year. And finally kind of just decided on like, on a whim really that I was like, this is bullshit. I'm done. I'm not playing. I'm working so hard, like training in the morning, going to school and then practice and training room. It takes over your whole life. And I wasn't getting to the fun part. I wasn't getting to do the fun part of playing in the game. So, um, as I mentioned, I didn't really think it through and I quit and then went back to the soccer house where I lived, where my teammates would go to practice and they would leave on away trips over the weekends. And I just sat there. And I fell into complete depression. Um, As I mentioned, soccer was my value and my worth. And in an instant, it was gone. And I gained a bunch of weight because 40 minutes on the elliptical wasn't really getting it done, you know, at the student rec center, um, like it was in my strength and conditioning program. And um, I think I initially found bulimia as a way to get rid of the weight. Uh, But what it became was something that I would struggle with for the next 10 years of my life, It was all I thought about. Um, Looking back now, I think it was something that I can control when I felt like everything else was out of control. And I hid it from the five girls that I was living with. Um, But it was all I thought about all day the next time I could binge and purge. And I was completely depressed. And it all stems back to soccer. Like the anorexia was because I needed to be fit and thin for soccer. The bulimia was when I lost my soccer career and my identity. And that's where the struggle started. And then for my adult life, I wasn't abusing my body anymore with the eating disorders, but I was severely restricting my calories, working out twice a day and actually 20 pounds heavier than I am now, um, living my squats and margaritas lifestyle. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I've never personally had an eating disorder, but I can imagine that they can be incredibly challenging to overcome. So what motivated you to, you know, you're in this, that happened, right? And now you're here, which is incredible. And I can't wait to be able to talk about that too. What motivated you to start this journey to, you know, getting getting better and on your road to recovery, right? And then, yeah. you know, what were some of the, 
So what motivated you? And what were some of the biggest obstacles that you faced along the way during that? So I'm not proud of this answer, but honestly, when you have an obsessive personality and you pour everything into one thing, it's hard to continue with it if there's something else on your plate. Like I'm all in. And when I started dating my husband, I became obsessive about the relationship. And he was a Pro Bowl linebacker in the NFL and he was in the height of his career and I had no self-worth. So I spent my days finding message boards where groupies would go and write about their little flings with players and I would type his name in that search bar every day. When he was in the shower, I was in his phone and I became completely obsessive about that and my eating disorder kind of fell away. The actual bulimia and like throwing up my food. I wasn't doing that anymore because my obsession shifted. And I say now, if there's a firstborn obsessive perfectionist personality listening, I'm not saying go stalk your boyfriend or your husband and then your eating disorder will stop. But I am saying if you have that kind of personality, try channeling your obsession somewhere else, somewhere positive. Like think of something that you love to do or teach someone how to do something. Once you can channel that obsession away from it, it will fall away. I did not get treatment, but... I will also say that because I didn't get treatment, I am also called on a lot by the eating disorder community that I use fat phobic language. And maybe I don't say things the right way. And had I gone to treatment, I would say things the right way, but I'm just sharing my story. Sure. And when I stopped, uh, when I started obsessing about the relationship, my eating disorder fell away. So I wasn't physically abusing my body, but like I said, severely restricting my calories and working out two times a day, only cardio. And there was this moment of clarity when a trainer at my gym was like, I see how frustrated you are. And I like, I want to help you. And I'm like, you can't. I'm doing everything right. I work out every day. I barely eat and I can't lose weight. And he's like, well, yeah. He's like, you're over exercising and you're under eating just very casually. Like, obviously that's the problem. And saying that to someone that wouldn't eat carrots at one point and used to throw up her food. I'm like, eat more to lose weight was not even like something I would consider. But at that point, Nikki, I had tried all the diets. I had, you know, had eating disorders, done everything. And I, like I said, I was about 20 pounds heavier and frustrated because I felt like I was doing it the way women are taught calories in versus calories out. So as long as I'm just barely eating and over exercising, I will be thin. And you can get your body to a point where it's not going to get thinner. It's going to shut off because mm -hmm. it doesn't trust you and you're not fueling it enough. And I know you had a similar situation with restriction and over-exercise. Women think that's how to do it. And when I was living that way, I was 20 pounds heavier. I was miserable and frustrated because I was doing it the right way in quotes and it wasn't working. So he convinces me to download my fitness pal and to uh, figure out my macros, which I still have like PTSD when I see macros because I used to be obsessive about it. But I will say that learning my macros and learning that I was under eating by 900 calories a day shifted things for me. It made mm -hmm. sense. I see the numbers. He's like, you are under eating. Once you start eating again, your body, your metabolism is going to turn back on because it's going to trust that you're going to fuel it. And I had nothing to lose. So I trust this trainer and I start eating maybe double what I was eating before. And I was super like cautious about it. Like I was eating really healthy, but I was eating a shit ton, like in every couple hours and maybe like in a month I lost five pounds. And for the scale to budge at all, 
was like astonishing to me. And I'm like, I'm eating more and I'm losing weight and I felt hungry again. And I turned on my metabolism. So that trainer telling me to eat more that I was over exercising and under eating, which I thought was the way because women are taught that that's the way changed everything for me. And the other component was lifting. Like I thought women were supposed to do their cardio and the men were in the weight room, but I will say it right now. Look at Nikki, go to the gym next time and look around and find the woman with that ideal body. She's not on the cardio machine. She's in the weight room. Hell yeah. Yo, Hell yeah. women are taking over the weight room, by the way. <laughs> because <laughs> muscle is the most metabolically active tissue on your body. And the more you have, the more you burn, even when you're not working out. And women picture the big, bulky bodybuilder lady. That it's Your body's not going to do that like naturally. Your body will tone when you lift. And I was not lifting heavy because I just wanted to tone. And I had zero tone until I started lifting heavier. And I'm not a trainer. I, I'm just a mom who figured this out and needs other women to trust me that if you are shying away from weights because you think you're going to bulk or, you know, you're sticking to like fives or tens because you don't want to bulk, you are not going to get that muscle tone um, unless you lift heavier and putting muscle on your body is going to stoke your metabolism. You don't even have to work out as much muscle like putting muscle on my body and eating more were the game changers for me. Okay. So like everybody just needs to rewind. Like <laughs> what? Like that was like probably a minute and a half. Like just rewind back and listen to that over and over and over and over again. And I'm even going to have my team clip it. And that's just going to be posted on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Make me a collaborator, girl, because I want all the women to know that are like, cause you get so frustrated. You're like, I'm doing it right. I don't eat. And I do my cardio, but your body has shut off. Like you have destroyed your metabolism, especially if you had any kind of eating disorders like I did. And yeah. even if you haven't said it out loud, I know it's very, like sometimes when I'm doing interviews, people are like, oh, when I just talk about my bulimia, but I'm telling you, if there is something you're holding shame about and you don't want to say it out loud, write it. Like you don't even have to say it out loud. You don't have to write a book, but just get it out and it loses its power. I say it like so casually now because it has nothing else on me. Whatever yeah. you're thinking of, it's it's whatever you're thinking of right now. That thing, yeah. you have to release it. And then it's off and you're lighter. And then you can kind of move on with the rest of your life. Like everybody struggles with something. Mine was disordered eating. And now I have made it a point to make other women feel seen. Like I did the same exact things. And if I can come out of it and find squats and margaritas in this balanced lifestyle and not trust that it doesn't make sense. Like I get it that you're like, uh, eat more to lose weight. I know it doesn't sound right, but it works. Yeah. <laughs> like trust me and know that I struggled for 20 years before finding this. So I get your skepticism, but I'm telling you everything changed. I've been able to maintain a 20 pound weight loss for the past seven years, enjoying my life, having daily indulgences and lifting instead of all the cardio. Now I just like walk. I enjoy my life. I weigh less like I'm a happier girl. <laughs> let's go, Aaron. Let's go. You're just on your own one right now. Let's go. I it love took it. Me 20 no. years. I hate it. It it's took me 20 so years. I'm 41, Nikki. I'm 41. If I can talk to someone that's 31, please trust me. Like this yeah, is the formula and no one tells women this. this.
Yeah, I love it. There is, I love that, all of that, everything you just (laughs) said right there, so freaking good. There was something in there that I want you to elaborate more on because I feel like it's going to be super helpful for the women listening to this that resonate with your story. Share, you just mentioned writing it down, throwing it on paper, getting it out of your head and like burning it would probably even be a strategy, right? So, what are these key strategies? What are these approaches that you found super helpful? to your, you know, when you were in this recovery process or when you were um, getting better and, and learning all the things that you just said to get to your dream body, which we will, I can't wait for you to talk about that too as well, because I know you're gonna just gonna <laughs> pop off there as well. Um, <laughs> but like share, yeah, what were these strategies? What were these approaches? Like where, were there any specific, like you just said, like techniques, um, support systems that played like a significant role in your journey? Well, the technique, it was forced out of me. If I'm being honest, I hadn't done the eating disorder behaviors in 10 years when I wrote my book. It was like, I realized finally it's lifting, it's putting muscle on your body, it's eating more. I'm gonna write a book called Squats and Margaritas and to the woman who is working out and not seeing results. And I got a writing coach and she's like, "Uh, are you a trainer? And I'm like, no. She's like, are you a nutritionist? No. And she's like, well, you have no credibility. Like, why would anyone listen to you? Like you have these abs on the cover. And I'm like, oh no, no, like I you know, I struggled, like these are new. And I finally figured this out. And she's like, if there is a story, you have to share it of how you got to this, or you're not going to have any credibility to the reader. And I was like, no, no, no. It's shameful. Like I, it's, I can't think of anything grosser than be like, oh, I used to eat until I made myself throw up. And it was like, thank God, no one found out about it. And I, I fought her. I was like, no, I just want to help women. I'm going to write basically what was the second half of my book. I'm just gonna help the women and she pushed me. And she's like, if there is a story, you have to share it. So one day I wrote it. I didn't even email it back to her yet. And Nikki instantly, I felt lighter. And again, I wasn't doing the behaviors anymore, but if even if it's not happening anymore, if you've never acknowledged it to the universe, you're still carrying it. You may not sure. even realize. Yeah. It may be something from your past that like didn't even, it's something that happened to you, but you have to release it. You're still carrying it and it's because of shame. And I'm saying once you release it, you realize like uh, there is a whole community of people that I get messages. I mean, I get, I would say at least two DMs a week of somebody that's like, I just heard you on a podcast or something. You're the first person I've ever told that I was bulimic or anorexic. Um, I struggled with depression. And you realize you're not alone and you find community. I mean, there's all kinds of pages that you can follow like on Instagram. Once you realize you're not alone and that happens when vulnerable people um, like you and I, Nikki, just share our stories. Like you, you shared a story of how you were literally full of shit because of how you were eating and under eating and over exercising. And I loved it. Like I couldn't wait to be on your show when I heard it because there's all types of women that are that that's happened to or that are still doing it, but like nobody wants to say it. Like you don't want to tell someone that. But once you do, somebody's like, oh my God, okay, thank you, me too. And yeah, you realize you're not alone. So my tips would be you don't have to write a book, write it down, or tell someone or tell find a pay, tell me, DM me. Just get it out. And like I said, we haven't got into my foundation, but that's why I want my foundation is gonna provide mentorship for teen girls in a safe space to share whatever the thing is with someone that's been through that thing. So find groups on Instagram. You're not going to be judged because I'm telling you, everybody has been through the same things. It's just not everyone says it out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't wait for you to share your foundation about that too. Cause it's pretty, I selfishly oh, got to hear a little you. bit about it beforehand as well, but um, yeah, on to something huge, um, which is exciting uh, for you. Yeah. So you mentioned this book, 
Um, yeah. And I'm excited for you to start talking about it and elaborate a little bit more on it. Your book from pain to purpose. Oh, there she is. <laughs> I was like, what? do I have one by me? Yes. Yes. Nice. Pain to purpose. Beautiful. Okay. So thank you. You, you know, sharing your personal stories, it can have a huge impact, a profound impact on others, right? Who obviously what you're doing, all you're about, your passion, your mission, the things like to share, you know, the similar challenges you're going through and help those people to create positive impact. What mm -hmm. message or like main takeaway, right? From your book, do you hope readers will gain from it? And then how do you envision it to help those who are struggling with, you know, eating disorders or related issues that you struggled with. Everyone has their thing. Like, like I said, it's the thing that you're thinking of right now. That is your superpower. That is your, your vulnerability is your superpower and sharing it and helping the next woman out of it means that that pain was like, that struggle was not in vain. That struggle, all my eating disorders and depression and just like, I thought my, all the years I thought my boyfriend was cheating on me and insecurities and struggles were for me to come out on the other side and share my story and have this platform to help the next person out of it. So my book from pain to purpose, finding meaning in the mess, everything is purposeful. You went through it to be able to help the next person out of it. And that's when you find community to support. And I wake up lit up because I know that there are women that know my story and now trust me and I can show them the way out of it. And whatever you've been struggling with, that's your superpower. Say it out loud and then help the next person out of it. I, as I mentioned, I took it a step further and actually established something that I didn't have when I was going through my mess. And that's where you find life's purpose. And I'm a mom of two. I talk to moms a lot and for me, I can't speak for all moms. I thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, told my husband I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom, and that was it. And when my kids were like two and five, I felt kind of restless and itchy. Like, I feel like there's more, but it's like you have the shame, like, no, you're a mom now. It's not about you. And I was like, I just feel like I had more to offer. And I say now, if you're a mom that's haven't that hasn't found their purpose or isn't living a purposeful life. They're kind of just like taking care of the kids. Start putting yourself out into the universe authentically and organically and watch for the guidance. And what is for you will fall in your lap. And Nikki, I talked to you a little bit about this off air. Like I was going live in the pandemic, just being my own self. I was complaining that the gyms were closed and the schools were closed and the playgrounds were closed. And I had a two and a four year old and I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to do with them. So I would just go live and be like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing with our kids? And a program director in DC at the biggest radio station was watching me every week unbeknownst to me. So it's not an audition. I'm just doing me being myself and trying to make it through the pandemic and share like best practices for moms. And one day she calls me and offers me my own show and the radio station produces it and promotes it on the air. And Nikki, like if there was an, an ad that was like, oh, Podcast One is looking for a new host, like that would never have even crossed my mind. But what was for me literally dropped in my lap when I was just putting myself out into the world authentically and organically. And I, I speak now and I'm like giving my whole speech, but like I say, whatever the thing is that you're holding on to, share it, get it off of you 
release the shame of it, and then use it to find purpose in supporting others. And it doesn't even have to be something like dark, like what mine was. Like what's something you're good at? What's something you can teach someone else? Start a blog, start an Instagram page, and start putting out what you're good at and helping other people. And you find purpose in that community that you will amass by putting out your thing. And maybe it's recovering from something. You've done it. Now you can bring the next person out. That's how you find purpose. Your pain is not in vain. You can use it. And then it was all worth it to show the next person or help the next person out of it. Regardless of what you went through, there are women who are dealing with that right now. And again, with me, I hadn't done those behaviors in 10 years, but I was carrying the shame of it. And there was someone, I wasn't doing it anymore, but there's someone else that is and that still has the shame and is not going to say it out loud. So I will. And then hopefully they can see that I came out of it and they can come out of it too. Like you find purpose through your mess. It's not Mm -hmm. like something to be looked at, like, you know, this horrible time in your life, use it, make it something that was like meant for you to go through to find purpose. And once you start living like in alignment with your life's purpose, like like you are lit up and I see you're like, you're the same way and helping other women from something that you went through nothing was in vain. Yeah. The universe handed it to you. It was like, Aaron, here you go. I, I your dropped time. it in my lap. Yeah. Yes. Your and then I only talk story. to people like you're going to be on my show that are just as vulnerable so that if you, you can just turn on my show and yes, you can learn a lot from these women, but just listen to a vulnerable conversation and be like, Oh, Oh my gosh, me too. Like even Refreshing. like saying that I didn't feel fulfilled as a mom, like you feel like you're not supposed to say that. Like you're a mom, your kids are the most important things. And I love my kids. It's, it's not like I don't want to be a mom, but I felt like there was more, but nobody says it. Cause it's like, Oh, like you have, we have to say the things so that other women are like, you know, Oh my God, me too. And feel seen sure. and less alone and not isolated. For sure. All the women see themselves within you, you know, they see yeah. themselves in you and your story and what you say and how you come over and that come out of it. And that's your impact to the world, which is, and yeah, and other people evolution. can do that too. I can say now, it, I would not be this open. I had to get to a place of like self-love and acceptance that now I'm like, I will say the things that other people won't say because I'm totally comfortable in who I am. But that was recent. Like I would say I found self-confidence and self-worth 38, 39. I'm 41 now. So I didn't before. And it's, it's, when I was holding shame about things, it was like, I'm not going to speak on that because I used to do these things. Get it out. Like, release it, release the shame, and then just be authentically you. And you attract people that are attracted to your authentic self. Like if you're putting out this facade or this like beautiful Instagram page, like, you know, and everything's filtered and then you get likes and shares. It's like, how could that even be validating? Because they are liking something that's not you. When you just show up to a podcast looking like me, like no makeup. <laughs> By the way, yeah, in you your, guys, in your, and Aaron, you, within the first 30 someone, seconds of popping on, mind you, we've never met before, right? And she pops on, she's like, is this on video, Nikki? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, snap. <laughs> like, you look great. I and was walking yeah, my Aaron, dog. Yeah, share your non-filter thing that you're going through right now, which I think would yes, resonate I so don't hard like. I don't like filters and I get, I mean, well, even though the Paris filter, just the, the first one, just like a little, just kind of shit, like shine. It's not going to tweak your face, but like that. <laughs> it makes it just like a brighter, it's not a huge one, but it's just no Paris filter, no filters. Because it, if you are not confident enough to put how like you look out and you put a filter on it, like I said, and you get all these likes, it's like, Oh, everybody likes it. That's not what you look like. Like yeah. if you get likes, 
looking like yourself, that should be validating. And if someone comments on this and likes what I'm saying, like, this is who I am. And you can't find validation from something on social media. That's not you. I see a lot of people doing this with like their spouses. Like I know that some of these people are like, can't stand their husband or they're like never with them. But on Instagram, it's like, they're with their husband. And I'm like, someone's going to run into you and be like, where's your husband? Or Mm -hmm. someone's going to see you in Publix and be like, oh, that's what, like, you are not this, like, you're not Beyonce, like you, that nobody will see in person. Like somebody will see you and know that you don't look that way. So why put out this image and have a teen girl, like comparing herself to this perfect Thing that's not even real. Like it's not fair. And I don't want like an 18 year old, maybe, I don't know, a 12 year old girl who's on Instagram, like, Oh my God, she's so beautiful. No, this is not real. Like no more filters. And if everyone stopped using filters and just like showed up as they are, it's like, it takes the pressure off. Any likes are validating because they like you, not this thing that you made up online. And really quickly, I watched a model, like a reality star, but model body real thin on a plane through the seats with I assume Facetune blowing up a picture of her bikini body and shaving off a little bit of her arm shaving off a little bit of her leg and she doesn't think anybody's watching and I see her name so I go on Instagram she posts it she gets I remember 119,000 likes and Nikki there's two problems here One is the obvious that that 12 year old girl is going to be like, if I could just starve myself just a little bit more, um, or lift a little bit heavier, I could look like that. She doesn't look like that. You are comparing yourself to something that's not even real. And you're having a shitty day and comparing when the model in the photo has not even achieved that body. It's not real. Second part, Nikki, this real thin woman was not confident enough posting a picture of her own body without taking some off her arm and leg, like yeah, all around. It was Facetune? so sad. I've never even heard of Facetune. What is Well, I this? didn't know what it was at the point. It, this was in my first book when I wrote this story. At this point, now I know what it is. Like, have you ever, like there's apps that can literally change the shape of your face. And she was blowing it up and just trimming down. And she, Nikki, she was a thin, thin woman. So she wasn't confident enough to post her body as it was. And there is going to be a little girl that's like, no, a little, like how we used to live. No, I can starve myself a little bit more. I can get there. She didn't get there. That's not real. And if people don't stop, like there's not, there's nothing that says this image has been edited. No, like she just put out a picture that was not real. It's going to make Could someone have a shitty day. Instagram or social media did that. It oh, should. snap. I know. And I then know. will everybody stop doing it? Then it can just be no pressure. Like, yeah. I don't have to worry about like somebody actually seeing me because I show up as I am. And like, yeah. there's not anything wrong with like, like I get, sometimes I like get in my head because when I do speaking, I get glam and I'm like, should I not do that? Because that's not what I really look like. But I yeah. feel good when I, you know, put on makeup, but like Glennon Doyle went on Ellen with no makeup on like nothing. And it was, she was like, this is the most liberating thing. Like no one would ever think to do that. But if more people started doing it and we see a normal unairbrushed, unmakeuped face more often, it would just be normalized. So you wouldn't even have the thought like I need to filter so that I look perfect because it would just be normalized. And I know it sounds so yeah, yeah, just stop using the filter. Like I want to stop using a filter five years ago. I just found this place of like acceptance. And if you don't like me, that's okay. Like the people that are here, 
like, I know they like me because I'm always just showing up as I am. And it, like I said, I've said it like three times, it can't be validating to even get likes or followers for something that's not you, you know, it's not you. So how could you, Oh my God, oh, 300 yeah. likes. That's not you. Like you, that doesn't count. Like it's validating when people like share and like your content, when you know, you're authentically showing up as you are. Yeah. It just feeds a void and that the void just is not even it's yeah. There's such a hole in that person, which is so sad to think about, but then to put, put it out on social media in a way that it just isn't real raw or honest to the person. Yes. It hurts still that person, but it just, it can affect so many other people in a way that is imaginable. You're speaking about like a 12 year old or a 16 year old that's looking at this person be like, man, I just need to be a little bit skinnier, yes. you know? Um, it's irresponsible. Like, you know that you, that is not your body. And I'm sure she was thinking of like how good she would look on her Instagram and like it, her ideal is a yeah. thin body, but you got to think. And me now I have a seven-year-old daughter and I'm always like, what you have to kind of catch yourself. If you're putting on a filter, I saw that Jessica Simpson was on good morning America talking about this. She's like, every time I try to do a filter, it's like, why, why am I not okay showing up as I am? And what I want to show my daughter Oh, honey, put a filter on that when she's posting a picture of herself. But that's what you're modeling, that you're not yeah. okay as you are. You have to make it a little bit cleaner or, and I don't want her to feel that way. Like yeah. I, I have to model it. And I mean, it's the same with like stepping on a scale. Like we tell women, I mean, excuse me, moms tell girls like, you're so beautiful. You're so strong. And then they're in the mirror, like, Ugh, I got to lose five pounds or they're standing on the scale. Like, Ugh. she's watching you. Like, it's yeah. not just what you say to her. It's how you talk to yourself and what you're modeling because you are the example of what a woman is. So you have to think it's irresponsible to not think about who is consuming the content or who in your home is watching your behavior. Yeah. Facts. What would you say? I, I use filter. <laughs> what? I said, I use filter on my story. I know. I, I, it, so. It's not, look, you're a beautiful girl. Like think of it, but why, <laughs> why do you use a filter? So it looks more polished, maybe like more professional. If somebody's using a filter because they have like, you're following Nikki, I don't have the following that you do. And you have a beautiful page and you want all your things to be, uh, streamlined and all the, so you put a filter. So they all look the same. Like that's something different, but you need to, you have to look in the mirror. You can't think that you need a filter. Like you're a stunning. Oh woman. no, I show. Uh, I, 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 I was just interested to see what your response would be. But I show. I totally show up <laughs> all the time, either it, when I have no makeup on or when you know I, yes. I'm totally, totally real and honest. That's I was just interested to see what your what your response would be. <laughs> well, you got me. That's why you have the following <laughs> that you do, and it's this habit too. You're like, and we'll put a little of this and we post. No, yeah. Like make a conscious effort. Be like, it, and what does it even change? It's just no, no filter. Hashtag no filter. Yeah. So people are putting out how they, they're putting out content, thinking about how they want to show up and they want to appear, but you have to think about who is consuming that content. Mm -hmm. And it's irresponsible to put out a photo that you have severely edited when there are teenage girls that are looking at it and abusing their body to try to attain this physique that you have not even attained. You know, it's not real. It's irresponsible to put that out on social media. Love that. Um, gosh, you with the filter though. <laughs> you did. Um, no, all good stuff. No, I appreciate that. That was good stuff and good insight too. I know it's going to help 
others just think a little bit differently, right? Just, yeah. you know, I hope this gets far and wide and it just has people reconsider what they are putting out there and let them ask the question to themselves before they do. Am I being true to myself? And am I being true to the people that are following me and listening to me? If it's no, a mom, fine. you have to think about your daughter. What are yeah. you modeling for your daughter? What are you showing her when you're putting on a filter that she needs to put on a filter? Yeah, like exactly. you wouldn't do that for her. So talk to yourself and think about that for yourself, like how you would your daughter. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to talk about your transformation, right? Like okay. you 38 that you said a couple years ago that you finally reached the point where you were very happy with your body and your physique. Mm -hmm. And that's a freaking accomplishment, especially like now knowing all of the things in, that you went through that you experienced your story, right? So, mm -hmm. and you talked a little bit about this um, a couple minutes ago with self-acceptance. So how did your perspective on body image and self-acceptance evolve from this spot where you were to now this spot that you are at and your the transformation that you've had with yourself and your, and your body? Well, I will still say, and I don't know if this is the right thing, so I didn't go to treatment. I feel my best when I am in my best physical body. When mm -hmm. I was not... And like when I was 20 pounds heavier and living in that frustrated space, because I felt like I was doing everything right. I would be short with my husband. Um, I, I did, I would pass on opportunities, like go out with my friends because I didn't want to like calories and I didn't want to gain weight. I was miserable. And until I got my body in check, like when I feel good in my body, there's really not much that gets me down anymore. Like as long as I feel good in my body, I can handle the other things. And before it was spilling over into all of my relationships, mm -hmm. I realized that I found, I happened to find my best physical body by taking care of myself and honoring my hunger cues, um, hungry and fullness. And before when all I wanted was to achieve this physical ideal and I lived my life fully in the pursuit of it. Like I said, I was 20 pounds heavier. I was frustrated and miserable. So when you just kind of accept your body and trust, which I know is super hard, especially if you struggled like I did with eating disorders, trust that your body is going to signal when you're hungry and when you're full. And you just need to be mindful of that. And mm -hmm. I spent so many years, like I would feel hungry, but it sick as this sounds would be almost like a win. Like, Oh, I'm hungry, but I'm not going to eat. I'm going to save my calories and it'll be less calories for the day. And lived with all these rules, like times it's not time for lunch. Like I'm hungry, but it's not time for lunch. I just mm -hmm. ate breakfast. So I'm just going to wait. Your metabolism shuts off when it believes that you're going to eat again. And it trusts you that you're going to eat when you're hungry and you're going to stop when you're satisfied. It starts burning again. And it goes to a set point that you'll be able to maintain because you're kind of in sync with your body. When my body didn't trust that I'm eating, am I going to throw it up? Um, am I going to do a second workout? Am I going to fuel it again after I, you know, work out the second time? It's like the last thing it's thinking is burn fat or burn calories. It's just trying to keep me alive and it doesn't know what the hell I'm going to do next. But when you just honor your body and your hunger and fullness cues, it trusts you and like stays at a set point. Like I said, I've maintained it for seven years by enjoying life. Like now I'm not running for PRs, which I'd say when I was like 36, 37, I would run in like time. I'd be like, I almost have an eight minute mile. Like for what? 
Like, what do you, like, why? I don't, I just stopped being so obsessive and like, now I just go for a walk and it's almost like meditative. Like I, I try to go without AirPods and sometimes I'll listen to a podcast, but I just am in tune with my body. I walk because it makes me feel good. I still mm-hmm. strength train, say four times a week. I eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm satisfied. And my body trusts that because I'm taking care of it, you know, I'm going for walks, I'm eating when I'm hungry, which is, was new after 20 years of not. Yeah, I, I just feel good in my body. And I happen to find my physical ideal by taking care of it. And we touched on, you know, I was hungry, but I wouldn't eat because it was saving calories. There's another cue and it's um, fullness. And I think women are missing that cue. Like mm-hmm. you eat and you're hungry. So you, you fix a plate and you're sitting in front of Netflix and you eat because there's food there. Mm-hmm. If you take that one second, just am I eating because there's food on the plate or am I satisfied? It's such a simple thing, like mindful eating or intuitive eating, but it changed everything. Like I truly, Nikki, eat whatever I want now but I know that I'm going to stop when I'm satisfied. So sometimes like I I have to share my fish tacos story. This is, this is just paints how I live now in my mess. I would go to a restaurant. Fish tacos is my favorite thing, but I would be like Mm -hmm. fish tacos, but no cheese, no sour cream, uh, guacamole on the side. And I would eat bland fish in a tortilla. I would eat all three or four of them because I would rationalize this is low fat. Um, I would leave feeling completely deprived. Um, I didn't enjoy my meal, but I ate all four. Now I go to a restaurant and I order fish tacos exactly as they're prepared. Cheese, avocado, sour cream, all the things. I eat one. I check in. Typically, that is not, I'm not going to be satisfied. I'll eat a second one. They give you three or four. I stop at two. I leave feeling completely satisfied and not deprived because I got fish tacos and it's almost like my brain is satisfied that I got an actual meal that I enjoyed and I don't need to eat all four. And because I have muscle on my body now, I can take it home and I'll probably eat the other two in a couple hours. Two hours. But <laughs> that mindset of like off limits, it just makes it more enticing. When everything mm-hmm. is allowed, there's no reason to binge because Like before I'd be like, I'm not drinking during the week. And then on Saturday, it's my drinking day. So I drink all the wine because I have to binge because it's off limits on Monday. If if you have to take food or whatever it is off the pedestal, and if it's not off limits, it's truly is less enticing. It's a part of my life. I can have a glass of wine and not be like, well, I have to finish the bottle because tomorrow's not a drinking day. Mm -hmm. Everything is allowed and I have what I want, but I'm mindful. I check in and... Now it's like in the morning, I always eat something sweet with my coffee. When I was in my mess, I would eat a, let's say high protein, low carb, no sugar in quotes cookie. And it would taste like shit. I would eat the whole box because they were low fat and no sugar. Again, I feel completely deprived, but now I'll eat a cookie. And sometimes I don't even need the whole cookie because it's like my brain is satisfied. That's an actual cookie. I don't need that much and I don't need to eat them all. I don't, there's no reason before it'd be like, if I ate a cookie, it was like, oh shit, I ate a cookie. I blew it. I got to eat all the cookies because I'll just start over on Monday. There's no starting over. It's living with balance. Everything is allowed and you won't feel a need to binge because it's something you can have um, every day. It's not going to be off limits tomorrow. It makes it less enticing. And I can tell you, I've been able to maintain my weight since I had my daughter who's seven and a half by living this way and enjoying my life and just 
like taking care of myself, going for a walk, eating when I'm hungry, stopping when I'm satisfied. And again, when all I wanted was this like physical ideal, I never got it living in that stress and restriction and obsession. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Those are some really solid key strategies for women too, as well, to pull it back to that question I asked you a little bit earlier self-awareness, like in the act, in the moment, it's like, you know, you're sitting on the couch, you're relaxing, you know, you're watching Netflix. It's like, oh man, I could eat all of the things. Yeah. And it's like, you know, just taking a second to become aware of your situation, your surroundings and just asking yourself, am I hungry? Am I full? Do I really want this? Am I just bored? Am yes. I just Netflix and chilling? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's all really powerful stuff. And you know, the perspective that you just shared towards, um, the self-acceptance that you gave yourself from, you know, going from one extreme to the other extreme from it, it's so powerful. And so many women struggle with, you know, okay, I'm going to have one cookie and it turns into 10 and it turns into like, oh, fuck it. I just fucked up. And then it's like, they yeah. can eat whatever the hell they want for the rest of the day. Yes. Yeah. You give yourself permission to, cause you blew it. Like, or you're at a wedding and you eat a piece of cake. It's like, ah, oh, might yeah. as well eat the whole thing because I blew it. It's not over. It's not blowing it. It's, exactly. You just make a, an adjustment at the next meal. Like don't eat cake after every meal. I don't exactly. have a cookie after every meal of the day, but like, if you have a cookie every morning, it's not this enticing thing. It's like, you, there's no need to binge because it's not off limits. And it was that mindset change. Um, I wanted to go back. You were, you were saying going back to exercise bulimia too. When you are working out to undo food, that's an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And if you are looking at working out as canceling out, which I did for so long, I mean, I, to the point, I would literally jot down, I shredded lettuce, five, uh, apple 80, and I would put it all, you know, add it all up 300 calories. I would go on the elliptical 300 calories. I would literally cancel out the same amount. That is wow. true exercise bulimia. But if a woman is listening to this and she's working out because she had pasta last night, that you can't look at exercise that way. At, you move your body because you feel amazing and uh, go for a run or a walk because you come back feeling clear or lift because you feel strong. But if you are working out to undo calories, that is something you need to look at. And I think there's so many women that I need to go to the gym because I had Mexican last night. Like you can't look at it that way. Like exercise mm -hmm. is something you get to do, not something that you have to do. And yeah. that was another thing when I was in my mess, I was like, that's how I looked at it. Like I got to go get a workout in Like I have to get a workout in. now it's like, I get to go for a walk and I'm maintaining my weight this way. Cause I'm not yeah. living in this complete state of obsession and stress and cortisol, which yeah. is a hormone that makes you hold on to fat. And my whole life was cortisol. Cause I would like pull up menus on the way to a restaurant to make sure there was a salad I would eat or only stay in hotels that had a gym that was open 24 hours. So if we were on vacation, I could get in a workout. Like that's where my mind was at. And when wow. you just calm the F down and it sounds scary to like not live your life that way, but I'm telling you when I live my life that way, I was 20 pounds heavier. There is something to be said about just honoring your hungry, honoring your hunger cues, calming down, listening to your body and having your body trust you again and not having all that cortisol and your body will just start to work for you again. Like you have to trust me. I know it doesn't sound right. I'm like, Oh, eat, eat whatever you want. But like, you won't want to binge when anything is allowed because yeah. it's like, I don't need to eat all the cookies. I can have a cookie later. And then you don't want it as much. It, it worked for me. Yeah, exactly. Spot on there. Um, and you said too, uh, for, 
when that happens and we have the cookies, we have the things, it's like, yeah, I just tell people, I'm like, just have some more protein for the rest of the day. Like, yes, just you can, you're not over. It's not over. It's not over. You can balance it out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's not totally. over. Totally. Yeah. Think of what you can add, like add yeah. a salad. Don't think of what you have to take away. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, oh, I love don't that. totally go add. off the rails because yeah. you had a cookie. Like it's not going to be that like, impactful. Yeah. It's only you're like making 100. it impactful by 10xing it. That's impactful. But if you yeah. just have one, you, it doesn't need to turn into a binge because it's just a cookie. Take it off the pedestal. Yeah. So you brought that pin back, which I appreciate because I want to talk <laughs> on that with the exercise calories. That's I wow. And there, but there's so many people that do that because like that. Of course. You're a perfect example. Mexican the night before. Fuck, I screwed up. I yes. need to go burn all this shit off the yes. next day. And it just it just doesn't do their body good at all. I That's that not the mindset. And it's such a shit. It's such a shift from like how I live for so long. Like literally yeah. calculating, cancel. It doesn't work either. You can't cancel out. Like I was 20 pounds heavier when I was canceling out on an elliptical, the amount of calories I burned. So it doesn't even work. And it, you're just stressing and obsessing. And that's what I was like, had like PTSD about macros, like ma learning my macros changed everything. I learned I was under eating and I learned I eat too much sugar. So now I'm cognizant of those two things, but mm -hmm. I'm not living by the MyFitnessPal calculation and how many grams and bringing my food everywhere. And I know women that live that way and they are miserable. I live yeah. in the middle squats and margaritas. Like I'm going to have a cocktail, but I'm also going to work out the next day. I'm not bringing my food everywhere and calculating my macros, but I am still going to move my body. And this has worked for me. So if there's mm -hmm. a woman that is restricting and you know, living and dying by their macros, it's important, but you can't be obsessive about it because then exactly. that's the cortisol and that's your body is just not going to trust you. And once you get to a place where it does trust you again, you can maintain your life and still be happy. Right. I love that you brought that up because I wanted you to speak on that, how people like macros is so important, like no doubt, yes. 110% yes. so important to understand, but I look at it as a diet that, or, or not as a diet, that a skill set that will serve you for the rest of your life. Yes. That is my motto. And uh, yeah, it's so important to know the portion sizes that you're putting on your plate, but, and it's so important for specific aesthetic goals. Yes. Um, and paying attention to consistency while in usually a fat loss goal. But when you're in maintenance or you're just thriving, like it ain't, it's not that important. You cannot. And I always say, it's like not something that you should be tracking for the rest of your life. Like I don't expect you to pull around, pull out your scale in the middle of dinner out with friends and start weighing your food. But should you pay attention to what the portion sizes are on the, on the yes. table? Absolutely. Nikki, I know people that do that. They live and die by their macros. They got to put it in the app. And like, if we have cocktails out on like a girl's night, they're not going to drink because they have their workout in the morning. And it's just, yeah. I don't want to live that way. Like I want to be fit, but not at the cost of like living my life. And I happened to find my physical body. I happened to find my physical ideal body living this way and yeah. in a squats and margaritas lifestyle and enjoying it when when I was living that way and just trying so hard, it's like, there's something to be said from just listening to your body and taking care of it. And when you don't, you're p missing out on opportunities with friends because you have to get to the gym in the morning, like, and you're going to totally stress out if you skip a workout. I did that. I did that from 16 to 36 and I was mm -hmm. miserable and I weighed more and 
if there is a woman that's feeling that same way, like, please trust this process. And it is a process. Like it may not happen overnight. And it took me a, a minute to like trust eating more. You can get there gradually, but when you can get to that point, you can maintain your life and still enjoy it. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. Absolutely. I think it's pretty important to focus on those things with macros and, you know, getting, doing your workouts that you are prescribed for a week, but I would only say four workouts. That's the max I work out. There's three other days. Yes. I'm thinking rest days, man. Um, and look at your body. Nikki works out four days a week. Like I thought I had to work out every day, sometimes twice a day. Cause I was so yeah. disciplined. Look at you and it, you just, we need to spread the message. Like it's not like scarcity and like restriction and over exercise to find 100%. your ideal body. You have to exercise, but it's not what you think. It's a balance. It's a healthy balance. hundred percent. A healthy balance. Amen. So I want you to talk about this foundation. What's this yeah. foundation? What's your purpose? What's your why? What are you going after right now? So when I got my podcast, I started talking to women that I never would have been able to ever connect with otherwise. Katie Couric, Kenya Moore, Teddy Mellencamp, um, Melissa Joan Hart, like all these big names. Each of them was so vulnerable on my show and sharing their story. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what do I have here? Like this network of strong women that like popular in the media, like that everybody knows, but they've been through the same things. And mm -hmm. I came up with a nonprofit that um, provides mentorship from these women who have been through the things uh, for teen girls, 12 to 20, who are struggling with body image or self-worth. And I want to put on retreats um, all over the country where women will come and share their stories. I don't want girls to feel like they're going to like, not that there's anything wrong with therapy. I'm in therapy, but like, they're not going to therapy. They're going to like a retreat and hearing other women's stories and hearing what other women went through at that same time in their life. Um, it also provides one-on-one -on -one mentorship. If someone contacts my foundation and is struggling with bulimia, you will be paired with a mentor who has been through that exact thing, a trusted person, not like, like I say, like a male therapist that's like, tell me about your anorexia. And you're like, you don't get it. This person has been through that. So it's a trusted person. When I was in my mess, I did not want to talk to my mom. I was hella defensive when she would try to get me to eat. And I, but I would talk to someone that was like, yeah, I was anorexic as well. And you feel like it's a trusted person. And I don't want it to just be body image. Like, anything that's making a teen girl feel isolated, her sexual identity. If she's a child of divorce, there is a woman that's part of blue butterfly foundation that will like, that has been through that same thing and that will show you the way out of it. And it's not to be used in place of therapy. Like maybe once you start talking to somebody, then now you're ready to go get treatment, but you are talking to someone that has been through that thing. And yeah. I called it blue butterfly because a blue butterfly legit stalked me for two weeks it would come to my doorstep every single day. And it got to the point, it was creeping me out. I was like, what in the world? I would put it on Instagram and I'm like, it's back, it's back. And people are like, there's no way it's back again. So I was like time stamping it. And then people are like, blue butterflies, I mean, excuse me, butterflies don't live that long. And I'm like, well, this one does because it's back again. And when my kids would go outside, they'd be like, mommy, you're a butterfly. And I always knew where to look and it would not fly away every day on my doorstep. And I'm like, God, universe, I see it. What the hell am I supposed to do with it? And then one day I was on a call with my business coach and she's like that nonprofit for the teen girls, we got to get it up and running. What do we call it? And like in the oh. moment I was like, blue butterfly, Nikki, I never saw it again. It was, it left. Yo, it was like, the universe works in some serious ways. 
I'm telling you like you, and that's what I say now, put yourself out into the world authentically and organically and watch for the guidance. It's like the guidance is there telling you exactly what to do with your life, but you're looking at your phone. How long was that butterfly out there? Like I've just been on this new spiritual journey where I like ask for guidance and I get it. Like I'm not clear on something, like something will happen. I see blue butterflies all the time now. Like we went to a, uh, over Easter, my sister like rented these cabins in uh, Nashville and I walk in, there's eight, I want to say there was eight bedrooms in this uh, cabin. I open up the first bedroom, blue butterflies all over the wall. And I was like, oh, this works. Now it doesn't even freak me out anymore. Like I will see blue butterfly, like just like a stamp or once I was in uh, in TSA and the thing where you put your shoes and your luggage through, I pull up the next bin. It had a blue butterfly sticker on the, in the bin. And I, I like, it's unbelievable. But it's like showing me that I'm on the right path. Like I got the message and then I never saw it again. So if you're feeling unfulfilled and you feel like there's more, you don't know. I mean, you don't need to know what it is yet. Put yourself out into the world as you are watch for the guidance and it's right there. And then once you find that thing, that is why you are on this planet and you live your life in alignment, you will just be lit up every single day. I found it at 41. It is not too late. <laughs> yeah. Bless, man. That is such a powerful story. And is that the tattoo on your, on your wrist? That is. Yes. yes. And then I was trying to, I don't know if you can see my girl. Um, oh, I, I that love my, that. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, well, that is uh, blue butterfly. Yeah. Blue butterfly foundation is established. And if anyone listening to this is struggling and wants to talk to someone or anyone that has been through those things and wants to find meaning in their mess and be a mentor for a girl that's going through it now, um, it's the blue And mm-hmm. I have an Instagram, um, at the blue butterflies. Beautiful. Yeah. You guys can find those in the description below this podcast for sure. And all of your other handles, go check it out. If you need that help, two more questions before we yeah. have off one, if you could go back in time and give your piece, your younger self, a piece of advice in the midst of everything that you were going through, what would that piece of advice be? Get off the scale. For so many years, my worth was determined by a number on a scale. If Mm. it was up, I was having a shitty day. If it was down, I was all smiles. I weighed the same, but I would look at that number and determine my value and my worth. It's not about a number on a scale. It's about how you feel in your body. Don't look at the scale. Don't throw away your scale. Like You know how you feel in your body. I could feel good and then get on the scale and be like, well, shit. I gained two pounds and then I had a bad day. Get off the scale. You are so much more than a number. It's not about a number on a scale. And for so many years, my value was determined by how much I weighed. That is powerful. Yeah. Mood is affected (laughs) either up or down by that scale. Yeah. Good day or bad day. Whatever that number said, I weighed the same, but I had to look and then up bad day. Like it was good until I saw that number. Get off the scale. Or if you dropped, it was fucking you related. You were so yes. excited. <laughs> What's going up? Down to <laughs> uh, down an ounce. If it went down at all, like if I had lost, wow. but if I had gained and at, like I went up and the way I was living and I'm like, this is bullshit. Shitty yeah. day. Get off wow. the scale. Don't even look at it. Okay. So let's wrap it up here then. Is there any message that or final words of encouragement that you'd like to share with the listeners who may be facing, you know, their own personal challenges that you went through too as well or struggles that you want to share? This is not the end for you. Like if you're in the mess you can get out of it. Um, maybe you were supposed to hear this today because it's time for you to go get help. There is no shame in seeking help for something that is so much bigger than you. Um, eating disorders are a mental illness and 
if you had any other kind of illness, like you take a pill or you go get help for it. It's the same thing. It's bigger than you. You don't have to try to stop on your own. You shouldn't be carrying shame um, because I can tell you there are so many other women that are dealing with the same thing. And if you're not dealing with an eating disorder, but like I said, you're, you're kind of just feeling like unfulfilled, like there's more. You don't need to know what it is yet. You just need to start putting yourself out into the world, share something you've been through, teach someone else something. You will grow a community of people that you're supporting. And that is where you find your life's purpose. Amen. Amen. Aaron, what a powerful podcast. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of the things that you just shared with this community. You guys, you have to go check out Aaron. Where can they find you? Like your personal pages and stuff. Yeah. I, um, I show up the most on Instagram. It's I am Aaron Washington. Um, my podcast squats and margaritas is also has this page squats and margaritas on Instagram. And then um, my new book from pain to purpose, finding meaning in the mess is available on Amazon. And if you buy it on Amazon, you can go to squatsandmargaritas.com and download the free audiobook, and I'll read it to you. Amazing. We'll get to hear your voice on, on that all time. Let's go. Um, you don't have a lot of time, you know, I'll read it to you. Thank you for being here on the show today. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey guys, real quick. If you're interested in taking your body to the next level, lose body fat, build more muscle, feel more confident, do it alongside one of our 30 plus professional coaches. Work one-on-one with her to eliminate all of the guesswork that you may have. And all you need to do is just do the work that she tells you to do to get to those goals of yours. Now to learn more, click the link below this podcast and apply to our VIP program right now.